Hey everyone, Josh Case here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy today's message. I've ever met, and today we just take a second in this house. Come on, we take a second in this house to honor the woman of God. I honor you and I love you. Well, I feel like preaching just a little bit. Can I preach it like I feel it? We're in Philadelphia, y'all. Philly cheesesteaks. Come on, somebody. See, y'all were thinking Rocky. I was thinking food. Come on, Jesus. That's good. John chapter 13. I believe I have something from the Lord for you today. I believe it's time for preachers to get back to hearing from the Lord and having a word from God when they stand with a microphone in their hand. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to skip over to 33 through 35. If you've got it, say amen. Amen. This is what the word of the Lord says today. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, and the devil already having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, watch this, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and he girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Verses 33 through 35, Jesus says this, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer, and you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, just look at somebody say, he's about to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Watch this. By all, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. I believe when he named that city, it was a vision for how he expected the citizens of that city to respond to one another. And in the kingdom, there is still the same command. God has a vision for his church and his people in the earth. So for just a moment today, I want to preach along these lines because it's time to take love to the next level. Let me pray and I'll preach. Father, I thank you for what I sense. Father, I feel like our ears are open and our spirits are ready to hear Father, Lord, something that you would say that would change everything. Father, we don't want to stay the same today. We don't want to leave like we came. We want something fresh in our lives and our hearts. Stir us by your word. Provoke us by your spirit. And for that, we'll give you praise and help us to take love to the next level. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. And as you're seated, just look at somebody and say, it's time to take love. To the next level. Yeah. Time to take love to the next level. 
I believe it's important today that if we are going to live the Christian life, that we must understand that the context of the Christian life and that the essence of Christian living can only be found looking at Jesus. I want to say that again. That the context of Christian life and the essence of Christian living can only be truly found when we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. If you want to know more than just what to do but how to live, don't look at the culture, look at Jesus. Because the truth in this room is that we have an option in Jesus that we don't have with other people. Because Jesus was more than a man, he was God. Come on, this is theology. I said Jesus was more than a man, he was God. And how did he become God in the earth? Is that he was the word made flesh. John is very clear that when Jesus was sent to the earth, he didn't lose his godness. Oh, come on, y'all. He didn't lose any God parts of him, but rather he embraced humanity while still being God. In other words, Jesus was really God while being really man. I need to know that this morning because that makes the question of why he was sent, it makes that question answered in a profound and powerful way. Because according to most believers, if you ask them why Jesus was sent to the earth, they would tell you he came to die. And don't get me wrong, that's absolutely true. Because how many know in this room, if he doesn't die, you don't live. Y'all, Come on, talk to me on a Sunday morning. I said, if Jesus doesn't die, you don't live. If he doesn't take the nails in his hands and the crown of thorns on his head, if he doesn't take 39 real stripes on his back by a cat of nine tails, then you are stuck here eternally on your way to hell. But thanks be to Jesus who endured the suffering and the cross and the shame and the hurt and the rejection. Why? So that he could sit up there on the cross, shout, it is finished and his it is finished let your life begin can we just take a moment here at the beginning of the message and thank God for the life and the death of Jesus where would you be I already feel like preaching if he had not died what would you still be stuck in if he had not said it was finished what would still be going on in your life if Jesus didn't come through for you I wish I had about a hundred people that would open up their mouth and give Jesus the greatest praise if you're thankful for Jesus yeah hell is real hell is real and Jesus dying made sure that you had a way to escape eternal torment and come up into eternal life and if you see me shouting every once in a while please know I'm not shouting for you I'm not trying to get your approval but every once in a while I remind myself of where I could be and what I was about to explore and see but thanks be to Jesus who made a way where there was no way You realize with just that revelation, we ought not to never need a worship leader? If you just keep remembering where you were going and he interrupted and stopped it, you won't need a band. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You won't need a worship team. You won't need to sing it again and sing it again. You will enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and his courts with praise, knowing that the only reason you're here today was because of Jesus. Most believers will tell you that why he came was so that he could die. But I would tell you it's deeper than that. 
I don't think he just came to die. I think he came to live before he died. To give us 33 years of life to show us what real life looks like. Y'all ain't saying nothing. To show us that you can live a life where you are victorious. Where you can live a life where you have peace. Where you live a life where you have joy unspeakable. Where you can have the kind of life that God designed. Jesus already lived the kind of life you're trying to live. And it's crazy because we spend more time watching TikTok influencers and YouTube and Instagram looking at other people trying to figure out if that's the life we want to live when Jesus already said, I have come. That you would have life and life more abundantly. What if I told you that the life you're trying to live ain't on TikTok, it ain't on Facebook, it ain't in Hollywood, it ain't in Washington. It's already been lived 2,000 years ago. And the life you want, he already walked out, got the victory over, and said you can have that life if you follow me. I feel something about to break loose in here. That's why following Jesus matters. That's why you got to be more than a church goer. You've got to be somebody who follows Jesus. Because as you follow Jesus, he'll take you into the life you've always wanted to live since you've been in the earth. Jesus came not just to die. He came to live. He came to show us how to navigate. Come on, y'all. All the pain and all the suffering. You do know he was tempted in every area that men would be tempted and he survived. He was hit from every angle so that he could stand and show you, I got hit but I never lost. And if we are going to have the Christian life, we must learn to graduate from being followers of Christ to imitators of Jesus. Most people will leave discipleship at the idea of following. But here's the following, here's the problem with following is that distance can keep you from imitation. In other words, the further you are, the harder it is to imitate, but you can still say you're following. And that's some of us in the room. We are so distant from Jesus, but yet we're still moving towards Jesus. And we wonder why we keep losing. Baby, you got to learn how to catch up to where he is. Where, how do you catch up? You catch up through worship, and you catch up through prayer, and you catch up through Bible reading. And every time you immerse yourself in his presence, it gets you one step closer to where he is. And when you are close to Jesus, you won't just follow him, you'll imitate him. What if I told you that's what the world is waiting on? Not more followers of Jesus. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Not more people who just come down to the altar and make a decision. And by the way, your decision needs to be discipled into a commitment. We have the biggest altar calls in the world and aren't making as much of a difference as we should. Why? Because people who make decisions aren't being discipled into people who have a commitment to Christ. And we've got to get down to being the people who imitate him so that everywhere we go, it's like they're talking to him. 
every place our feet goes is an encounter with Jesus. It's an encounter. Our handshakes feel like Jesus' handshakes. Our hugs feel like Jesus' hugs. Our, uh, come on, our speech is Jesus' speech. The, the way we carry ourselves is the way Jesus would carry ourselves. Lord, get the church back to being imitators of Christ. But I think there's a third reason he came. Can I be deep on a Sunday morning? I know he came to die. I just told you I know he came to live. But while he was living, I believe one of the greatest purposes of Christ's life, not his death, his life, was to watch this dispel bad theology. Pastor Josh, theology, now you're in that seminary stuff, hold on. No, no, no. Theology is the study of God. It's who God is. I believe that Jesus coming to earth and living the way he did was so that you could finally see the Father the right way. You would be shocked at how much religion has distorted Father and Son. You would be shocked at how much religion has divorced the Father and Jesus. You would be shocked because in the world in which we live, we have an Old Testament Father and a New Testament Jesus. And one is distant from us and one despises us and one doesn't love us and the other is absolutely enamored. And in doing so, we have divided the Trinity. In the name of religion. Knowing that Jesus said things like, I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I believe he came to deliver us from a poor perspective of God the Father. This is a heavy thing. This is a deep thing. Because if you, don't under, if you don't watch yourself and be careful, you will do the same thing and not even know it. When you th say, thank you, Jesus, for your love, but you think that God is angry with you, you're doing the same thing. If you think the Father's up there mad, ready to strike you down with lightning, you've missed it because Jesus would try to tell you that he is closer than what you think. Jesus would tell you that the same love that he emitted to people is the same love that the Father has within himself where do you think Jesus got it from can I be deep you realize that for love to be love it needs an object of affection for love to be love there must be an object for love to be bestowed upon so in eternity past God was not up there twiddling his thumbs trying to figure out what he was going to do and he was at Jesus over here and the spirit over there no 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 in eternity past uh, the father and the son were mutually indwelling one another loving one another watch this John says it's pros face to face that means in eternity past, all there was was a face-to-face -face expression. Love and love and love and love and love and love. And what the body needs to wake up to is that same love is now extended to us. Are you hearing me this morning? We should never assume of the Father in what we never seen in the Son. If the Bible doesn't show it explicitly, don't believe anything about the Father that was not demonstrated in the Son. Oh, come on, y'all. Because let me tell you, right Christology fixes bad theology. That's why I love the song. Because the more we fix our eyes on Jesus, we learn about the love of the Father towards us. 
And so to walk with Jesus, I'm going somewhere, hang with me. So to walk with Jesus was to walk then with the Word made flesh and the express image of God the Father. And 12 men got a front row seat to walk with him. Come on, y'all. I said, 12 men got a front row seat to walk with them. They, got, they were there when the blind saw. They were there when the lame walked. They were there when those who were possessed and oppressed were set free. They were there. They were there when those who were dead, come on, got raised back to life. They got a front row seat. And what if I told you that the closer you get to Jesus, the more miracles like that you'll see? They walked with him, and along the way, they realized that he had two parts of his ministry. He had the demonstration, and he had the declaration. Because if you want good ministry, you've got to have both. Oh, it's quiet. If you want good ministry in your life, and you want to be effective for God, you need both. You need to be able to declare and believe and say what you know, but you also need to step over every once in a while and say, I believe it. Let me show you what it looks like. See, that's what the world is looking for, for some believers who don't just say it, but some believers who know how to show it. Uh, God, get us back to some men and women so full of the Holy Ghost uh, that we can say it and we can back up what we say. So if we say we believe in healing, we lay our hands on sick people and we see them recover. If we say we believe in freedom, we can lay our hands on somebody possessed or a and watch that devil come out, not by might or by power, but by the Spirit of God. Lord, Lord, get your church back into a place of balance. In the culture we live in, it's not enough anymore just to say. In fact, I would submit to you that's the problem. We got too many people talking and not enough people doing. We wonder why our children are confused. Y'all ain't saying nothing. We wonder why the enemy's hitting our kids the way he's hitting our kids. If you don't raise them, Disney will. If you don't show them, Hollywood will. That's why there's got to be some daddies and some mamas who say, as for me and my house, we gonna serve the Lord. And in case you wanna know what it looks like, I'll show you what prayer looks like. I'll show you what worship looks like. I'll show you what church looks like. I'll show you what being full of the Holy Ghost looks like. And there's got to be some mamas and daddies who walk up in their kid's bedroom and say, not this bedroom, not this child, not this mind. Where are those people that give God some praise in the room? To the saints of God in this room, we need you. There is a level of Pentecost that is relegated to the saints of God that we are still waiting on. This generation needs to see every once in a while a saint of God get out of her seat and dance the aisle. This generation needs to see a man of God come down to the front and take off running under the power of God. Why? So they know Pentecost is still real. They walked with him and had a front row seat to his miracles. They saw demonstration. They heard declaration. They saw him find the coin inside of a fish's mouth and heard him say, I'll provide it when you need it. They saw him take five loaves and two fish and multiply it to illustrate to them that anything you give me, I will bless. 
I will break and I will multiply if you put it in my hand. They saw him. And so by the time we get to John 13, they have walked this life with him. They have seen him. And he starts saying, I'm about to leave. So now I'm bringing you in to final exams. Nobody likes final exams. And don't even pretend like you do. The only time final exams are good are when they're over. Come on, where your real don't be, don't be so religious. He starts to tell them that things are about to change, that my hour has come, that something is about to be passed. Can I tell you what I sense in the spirit? That's why I love Summer Encounters theme. It's because it's talking about being mantled. Can I tell you that perhaps this generation is in position to receive the baton for the final time? Thank God for Azusa. Come on, y'all. Thank God for the healing revivals and the tent revivals. Thank God for Oral Roberts. Thank God for men of God like that who stood. But they have now come and they have now went. They are no longer with us. And every time a man of God or a woman of God dies, the baton or the mantle falls and a new generation has to pick it up. And when I was praying, God said to tell the church, you're up. You missed what I just said. He, he said to tell you that it's your turn. Do you not know? You're not in waiting. You're not the next generation coming. It's not happening 50 years from now. God has a mandate for every man and woman in this church. And it's time for you to take on the right perspective and grab the baton and go to work. You don't have time to be offended. There's too much work to do. You don't have time to be frustrated. There's too much work to do. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You don't have time to complain. There's too much work to do. He said it's time that you come into final exams. And for final exams, he took them into an upper room and he started the lesson. He set them at the desk of communion and said, are you ready? I'm about to show you what you have to know before you leave. And isn't it amazing that the moment he got into the upper room of John 13, things went crazy? No, no, read your Bible. Because we like to segment and compartmentalize things in Scripture into these nice little neat package stories. But if you look at the swirl of John 13, what's happening in that upper room is wild. If you know this text, you'll know that there's so much happening in this moment, it's hard to actually keep track. Because in one moment, he's washing feet. And then Peter's saying, no, don't wash my feet. But if you're going to, wash my feet. And then the next minute, he's dealing with the cup and the body and the mysticism and the reality of the body and the blood and the cup and the bread. And then he switches over and he starts to look in the room and says, but somebody's going to betray me. See, some of you need to realize that not everything is warfare. Some things precede promotion. It makes sense that if you go into an upper room, uh, that the devil will show himself. 
that things will go crazy. That's helping somebody in the room who started all of a sudden receiving all this warfare and you got all this stuff happening in your life and you said, man, I'm loving Jesus more than I've ever loved him. I'm doing more than I've ever done. I'm worshiping more free and things are going crazy. Baby, that ain't the devil fighting you. That's God getting ready to to promote you to another level. And somebody in this room just got a revelation that what you're going through hasn't been sent to kill you. It's been sent to elevate you. And for that, you ought to give God some praise. I'm going to give you 30 seconds in this room for every person being attacked, for every person getting hit, to open up your mouth and say, God, thank you that I'm going up. Thank you for the fight, for these light afflictions are working an exceeding weight of glory in my life. Can I tell you what some of you are going to do? You're going to look back at what you got hit with and you're going to say, it was good that I got hit like that. Devil, if you would have known any better, you wouldn't have hit me like that in that season because every time you hit me, I went higher. Every time you hit me, I went further. And somebody get ready because God is about to move so profoundly the devil's going to rule the day he ever hits your life. There is a swirl of emotion in these final exams. They think they know what they need to know. He's saying you don't know. There's a swirl. His betrayer's in the room. The devil's in the room. His, can I, let me just say this too. Anytime, don't just get ready for chaos when you go up. Also get ready for Judas. This ain't my nose, but I feel this in my heart. And some of you aren't winning because you don't know how to handle Judas. You want to fight with Judas and post about Judas and get into a war with Judas. But you don't win against your haters. Come on, when you try to fight against your haters, the only way you win against your haters is to do what Jesus did. Well, what did Jesus do? When he was confronted with Judas, what did he say? Go do what you're going to do. Y'all weren't ready for this this morning. This is free. This ain't even in the notes. Do you, do you realize that when Judas came to Jesus, Jesus didn't fight with him. He didn't use scripture against him. He looked at his hater, his betrayer, the person set against him and said, whatever you're going to do, Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. If you're going to talk about me, talk about me. If you're going to say it, say it. If you're going to lie, lie. Whatever you're going to do. Because here's what I know. Ain't nothing going to change my mind about loving you. Because if God loves you, I'm going to keep loving you. Do you realize what that does to a hater? What that does to somebody in your life who's against you? When you just look at them and say, ain't nothing you're going to do affect me anyway. So just do what you got to do. And I'm going to keep going what, I, what I'm supposed to do. If I don't say anything else, that right there was worth the price of admission today. Judas leaves the room, the swirl and the chaos and the emotion. Can you imagine how tense it would have been in that room? Which one of us is it, Lord? The one I hand this bread to. Not me, thank God. That's tense, y'all. If you, if, you if you didn't have anxiety, you'd have it right there. 
Jesus gets his betrayer out of the room. Remember, final exams. And he says, here's what I came to tell you before I go. And what I'm about to tell you changes everything. Hear me, don't miss this. He looks at those who remain. Let me stop right here. Because I want to be one of those who remain. In the craziness of the world, in the fight, in the culture, with all the anger and hate, I want to be those who makes it to the end. I know that that might not be so deep, but I've purposed in my heart, come hell or high water, I'm not leaving Jesus. Come the craziness, whatever the enemy would throw against me. Come on, apostle preacher, you're about to get double for your trouble. That's what apostle said last week. But I have made up my mind that no matter what comes against me, I'm sticking with Jesus till the very end. Is there anybody in the room who's made up their mind that no matter what hits my body no matter what hits my family no matter no matter what hits my mind or my heart i made up my mind come on y'all i made up my mind i know it's old school i made up my mind that i'm sticking with jesus to the very end nothing can dissuade me nothing can persuade me i'm sticking with him until i go to heaven and he looks at them the ones who are left. See, I kind of feel like in a weird way, that's us this morning. And he says to the ones who are left, I know you have felt the tension. Come on, see it in today's reality. I know you're feeling the chaos. I know you just saw the devil. But a new commandment. I give to you love one another. When I saw that, I got excited because he said it's a new, which means the word new there in the Greek means fresh. It's fresh. Can I tell you that what's about to happen through this text is about to unleash something fresh in your life? God, see, that ain't for everybody, but there's some of us tired of the day in and day out, same monotonous, mundane life that we've been living, and you need something fresh. And God brought this preacher by on a Sunday morning to release something fresh in your life. He said, a new, watch this, commandment. Commandment in the Greek. Can we do some Bible study? Commandment in the Greek means to regulate. A principle that regulates. Don't miss it. A principle that regulates. See, some of us are so up and down, and the world is so up and down, we need something in our life that will regulate. He's saying if you apply this fresh regulation, he said it's going to provide something for your life you've never had before. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. When I saw that, I'm not going to lie, the Bible studier in me got a little upset and a little frustrated because that's not new. Come on, y'all. Read your, you know, you, I got any Bible people in the room? That's not new. Leviticus, he told us to love one another. Golden Rule said to love one another. Jesus said to love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, your mind, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Loving one another is not new. He says, love one another. Watch this. Like... 
I have loved you. Everything changes with the B clause of that statement. Because up until that point, you got to pick and choose who you loved. When you loved. See, y'all get it. Where you loved. And if you loved. That if it fit the schedule and it fit my personality and if it fit my life, I got to love you. That was my choice. I got to choose to love you. But Jesus pulls the air out of everybody in the room and says, now you are commanded to love everybody like I love you. And I started to think about it. When Jesus makes this statement, what he's really saying is, boys... You have been loving on a lower level. And when I was thinking about Philadelphia and the city of brotherly love, I started to think, Natasha, why isn't the world changing? We've got bigger buildings. We've got more people. We've got more avenues through social media. Why isn't the world changing? And the Lord said, because you're just loving one another. God said the world changes when you choose to take love to the next level. Well, what does love on the next level look like? Hear me, church. It looks like loving somebody else like he has already loved you. And then it hit me again, Natasha. Perhaps the reason why we don't love like we should love is because maybe we don't even know how we've been loved. Some of us can't be the expression of love because we've never received the love we need to give. No, 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 don't, 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 don't miss it. We, we've heard messages. We've heard sermons. We've watched baptisms. Come on, y'all. We've seen altar calls. We've been around miracles. But some of us have never received agape love in our life. We have never opened up our heart enough to let the Holy Spirit shed the love of God. Because when the love of God really comes into your heart, it changes everything. It changes how you see. It changes how you talk. It changes how you move. It changes what you do with your life. It changes how you treat people. The real love of God. And some of us have been so hurt by people. And so hurt through life, I'm done, that we have never received the love of God because we have acquainted their love with his love. But his love is not their love. So let me just take a moment before I wind this down and be done to tell you how you've been loved. Do you realize, oh, I feel the anointing coming on me. Do you realize that before you even took a breath, you were loved? 
Do you realize that before you had a name and a social security number and a birthday that you were in eternity and in God and what you were experiencing in God was nothing more, nothing less than absolute, divine, pure, powerful, profound, agape love. Do you realize that you were in the center of whatever was happening between Father, Son, and Spirit? There's a word I taught you. Remember perichoresis, the dance of love. Do you realize that before you even got to the earth, all you ever known was the swirl of God's love in your life Uh, don't you know that that's how much he prized you that he knit you together in your mother's womb piece by piece feature by feature thing by thing because he loved you and then you came into the earth and people do what people do but it didn't stop God from loving you And that kind of way, I'm about to blow your mind. But even before you made the decision that you thought ended you, he still loved you. Do you realize that in the background of your life, the dance of perfect love has never ceased? Do you realize that while you were in the club... While you were dating people and engaging in behavior that was anti-God and anti-Christ, that some people would say God turns his back. No, 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 no. God didn't become aware of you when you got right. I said, God didn't just become aware of you when you got it perfect and you said something at an altar call. You realize that while you were messing around and acting up and doing wrong, the dance of love was following you all the days of your life, waiting and wondering and wooing you to come back, saying, I'll be here when you realize that that won't fulfill you. I'll still be here when you realize that that won't satisfy your soul. And that love was there. Can I just settle something theologically? When I was growing up, I got taught that if I did something against God, God turned his back to me. That sin separated me from God. But I can't find that in Scripture. Ooh, come on, y'all. I can't find it. In fact, when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't run from them. He ran to them. Come on, know your Bible. The book of the book of Saint Corinthians said this: that while we were sinners, God was in Christ reconciling the world. Get this picture of an austere, angry God with dark clouds turning His back on Jesus. No, no, no. He was in Jesus, saying, "Let soever, let whosoever will, let him come." That love doesn't go away. That love is ever present. Let me be simple. He loves you past your fear, your worries, your mistakes, your anxiety. Come on, catch the depth of this. He is still there. And if he ever has any wrath, it's never towards you. It's towards the thing holding you from him. Jocelyn fell in the bush the other day. Of course, as a dad, I wanted to be mad because I said, don't go in the bush. And I was upset for a second until Jocelyn said, Daddy, help. And in one moment, my love for Jocelyn turned into anger towards the bush. And I moved everything in the bush so I could rescue Jocelyn. 
See, that's the wrath of God. It's never pointed towards the man. It's pointed towards the thing that holds the man back from God. So if you want to know about God's wrath, it's when God takes his anger out on alcohol. When he takes his anger out on generational curses. It's when he takes his anger out on depression and suicidal thoughts. Thank God for his wrath. We're not upset with the wrath. We need the wrath. On the other side of the wrath comes the rescuing. He tells them, it's time to take love to the next level. I'm about to go, and here's my expectation, that everybody you come in contact with, come on, Philadelphia, they get the same love that you've received from me. We want to change the world? We change it by loving somebody like we've been loved. You want to make a difference? It's loving somebody like you've been loved. And let me tell you something. The love of God is not passive or anemic or weak. The love of God is the greatest force in the earth. The Spirit is the greatest person, and His love is the greatest force. Let me be done. So much. Y'all getting anything out of this? Let me be done. And so he says, a new commandment I give. Love one another. As I have loved you. Every interaction you have in this week to come, these weeks to come, use that as the barometer of if you're really loving or not. He says, all right, boys, you're wondering what it looked like? The reason why I read John 13 is because, remember, he's both demonstrated and declared word. He said, what if I told you, boys, I already showed you what love on the next level looked like? And supper being over. He arose. I could preach all that. I'm not, maybe I will. I don't know. Because Supper being over. Can I do it quick? Y'all still good? Supper being over. Because there's a, there has to come a time where you stop eating and you start moving. The world will never know our love if all we do is sit at the table and receive message after message. We just get and we get and we get and we're consumers. Some of y'all think church is boring because all you do is sit and hear. supper being ended he arose what does love on the next level look like it looks like to stop eating but it looks like to start standing in a world that is seated around many tables of compromise it's going to take a people to stand for something different and something real and something fresh and don't be shocked that when you make a stand when people don't stand with you but just because they're not standing with you doesn't mean you don't stand at all God is looking for a people who know how to stand up again all over for the things of God where are men and women like the three Hebrew boys who say I don't know how it's going to play out but I'm not about to take a seat for an idol when I can stand for a holy God. <laughs> Supper being ended, he arose. Watch this. And he laid aside his garments. Let me be quick. Do you realize how profound that is? Read your Bible. It ain't boring. Jesus got naked. Oh, look at some of y'all's eyes. What did he just say? He got naked because watch this. You can't do ministry and you can't do love with all that stuff on. Some of us are not effective because we're, because we're afraid to show who we really are. Do you realize that in his nudity, they would have been able to find points of identification? They would have been able to say, he's got the same bruise I got. He's got the same scar I have. You see, what draws the world to Jesus is when they look at you and they see your redemption and the fact that you went through what you went through, but you're still standing and not dying. 
If you're going to win your family, stop trying to be holy and righteous and be vulnerable and naked before them and say, I didn't always get it right. But because of Jesus, how do you know that? Because the Bible says that in our weakness, he is made strong. How can he ever be strong through you if you never show them something weak about you? The Bible says he laid aside his garments, love on the next level. And the Bible says he got down. What does love on the next level look like? It looks like getting down to where people are really living. I know we've been redeemed. But let me tell you what the world needs to see. A church that just doesn't seek to go up. But we know that the way up is actually the way down. It's humility again. It's serving again. It's caring for people again. It's not letting that wooing of the Holy Spirit pass you by. It's obeying when God says talk to them and pray for them and do for them. Get down. And this is what I came for. It looks like washing feet. The Bible says that the Jesus who is taking love to the next level got a tub and a towel. And he started washing their feet. Why does love on the next level look like washing feet? Because to wash someone's feet is to erase where they've been. And whether you know it or not in this room, if you're a believer, your feet have been washed through the water of the word and the power of the spirit there was a moment in which you brought all your dirt down to the come on to the hands and to the tub of Jesus and he took the towel the same towel that he still brands today and he washed away where you've been because if you're never washed you'll bring the same dirt into every new experience that's why some of us are so frustrated and so angry it's because we've never received his love in the way of letting him wash our feet So what does love on the next level look like? This is it. It looks like supper being ended. It looks like arising from the table. It looks like laying aside your garments. It looks like getting down. Come on, somebody. And it looks like washing somebody's feet. The world only changes when we show this kind of love. We shout about revival but we refuse to love on the next level. God will not send revival until there's love on the next level. He is not going to revive people into anger come on into stereotypes into criticism they get that from the world what he's trying to do is loose people into a love they have never experienced before. Stand to your feet all across this room. I ask the Lord today in this Philadelphia Sunday what was about to happen and God was very clear I said God are you going to touch people today and the Lord said no not what you want to hear when you're the preacher he said Josh I'm not touching people today I'm washing people today. Some of you 
The call of God is so great on your life. He wants to do so much through you and with you. And he's trying to turn your neighborhood into a neighborhood of brotherly love. He's trying to turn your city and this nation into a nation of brotherly love. But he can't do it with people who don't know how they've been loved. So he brought you in this room to tell you that you are closer to the moment of God using you in the way he said he would. But there's one final stop along the way. You must be washed. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I feel the anointing. I've got two altar calls today. It's very simple. Number one, you're in this room and you're far from God. You're not where you need to be with the Lord. And you've heard me talk about this love and you had no idea that you were loved like this. My friends, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. That he loves you with an agape love. And so here it is in this room today. You're not where you need to be with God. You're not serving God. In fact, you've felt the convicting power of God in this room telling you that you need to let yourself be loved like this. You're not where you're supposed to be, not doing what you're supposed to be doing. My friend, this is not an angry gospel. God is not mad. He is enticing you, wooing you to himself, saying, I am the answer for your soul. You're not where you need to be with the Lord. On the count of three, slip up your hand. One, two, three. I'm not where I need to be with God. Hands are going up all across this room. I'll wait on you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Hands are up all across the room. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. Keep them. Yes, yes, yes. I'll wait. You got 15 more seconds. Keep your hand raised. I see you. I see you. I see you in the back. Yes. Yes, yes. I'm not where I need to be, Pastor Josh. Pray for me. If the trumpet calls, my life ended today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity, Pastor Josh. I got to get it right with God today, 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 today. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. On the count of three, I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar. And I want you to make a profession of faith today that says, God, I'm coming to you. People are already coming. Come on, that's right. Go ahead, sister. If I'm talking to you on the count of three, come. You raise your hand. Come on, all those hands that I saw, get out of your seat and come. One, yeah, that's it. Two, come on, three. I got to get it right today, Pastor Josh. I got to get it right. I know he loves me. Come on, keep coming. Yep, keep coming. I see you, sir. Come on, I saw hands up in the back. Yep, that's it. I see you. Keep coming. Come on. Come on, church. I bet if you keep clapping, they'll keep coming. It's time to get it right in the balcony. It's time to get it right in the back sections. Come on. How about if I wait a couple more seconds? Come on. The love of God is in this room. I'll wait on you. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Come on, church. Come on, church. Come on. This is worth celebrating. This is worth getting excited about. Come on. It's time to get it right. It's time to get it right today. The love of God is here not to condemn you. But it's here to tell you everything's going to be all right. I'm, can I do something crazy? I just want to wait another 10 seconds. I just feel like I'm supposed to. I normally don't like to play around with these moments, but I feel like I'm waiting on some people. I'm waiting on some people. Can we just, get, come on, come on, we just put, yeah, that's your invitation right there. If you're still in this room and you're not where you need to be, I'll wait on you today. Come on, we're here to celebrate you today. Who am I waiting on? Where you at? Come on, get it right today with Jesus. Get it right today. Agape love is here. Here it is. Before I move into anything else, today's a brand new day for you. You had to be here today. He loves you. He really loves you. I want every person at this altar to put your hand on your heart.
before we get into ministry for just a moment, we're going to pray this prayer. To everybody at this altar, please hear me. There's no power in this prayer. Only in the heart that believes this prayer. We don't pray this prayer to do it for tradition's sake. We do it so that you can extend your faith to Jesus. And the Bible says if you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus will save you. Come on, somebody. Come on, can we say this together? Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody. This all. Say, Jesus. Today, I give my life and my heart to you. I ask you to come on the inside of me and save me. Jesus. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent. I changed my mind. And I ask you now, by your Holy Spirit, to live on the inside of me for the rest of my life. And for the rest of my life, I'll serve you and I'll love you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me with agape love. In Jesus' name. I said in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, come on, that's right. Now, i got to obey the Lord, and then we're going to worship for just a moment, and Pastor Dawn's going to close us out. But here's the thing. The Lord said this to me, that there are people in this room who need healing in their life, that you are so wounded and so overtaken by the dirt, you're struggling and you're fighting and you're hurting. Some of you need to forgive people in your life. You can't get brotherly love if you don't forgive people. You need to make amends with people in your family. You need to make amends with things in your heart, but you are feeling the weight of the dirt. He's about to wash you clean. If you're in this room and you're struggling in any area of your life, you feel like you're in a fight in your body, your mind, or your heart, and you're ready for the washing of God's word, I want you to make your way to this altar on the count of three. And as you do, we're going to sing for just a moment. Are you ready? Come on, get, come get ministry. Come get clean. One, hallelujah. Two, you're struggling. I'm struggling, Pastor. Three, come on, make your way to this altar for just a moment. Come on, you're struggling in your mind. The Lord specifically in your mind. In your mind, in your heart. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Keep coming. Come on, if any area of your life you feel like you're in a fight, you feel like you've got some built up dirt somewhere, God is about to clean you. He's about to clean you. I want the pastors to get ready. I want the team to get ready. We're going to pray for some people for just a moment. Now all across this room as people are still coming, slip up your hands. Come on, and now we sing to the Lord for just a moment. Come on, all across the room, slip up your hands, we say. Come on, pastors, lay your hands on Come on, prayer team, go ahead, lay your hands on them. In the name of Jesus, I speak to every hurting place. I speak to every wounded place. In the name of Jesus, healing, healing. Come on, let the word, let the washing of the word. Come on, even in the seats. Receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. Come on, we say. And while you're in your seats, uh, slip up your hands and receive uh, the love of God afresh and anew. Come on, he's washing you. He's washing you. He's washing you. 
Come on, prayer team, lay hands on everybody. Receive it. Receive that love. Come on, all across the room. Come on, together. Together. Come on, we sing. Hey. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can visit calvaryfl.com give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. You can also stay connected by following us on social media at Calvary FL and by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for joining us.